Welcome back to the program. Today we have an all-volunteer military. When young men and women join the Marine Corps, they do so to serve their country. They know full well that the work may put them in harm's way, that a bullet or a grenade or an IED might cut their life short at any time. What none of them expect, however, is to be killed or maimed by drinking water. Yet that's exactly what happened to Marines at the historic Camp Lejeune facility in North Carolina. As many as a million people connected with the base were potentially exposed to highly toxic and contaminated well water. What the military and what the government has done about it is truly a crime. We're going to talk about it today with my guest, Mike Magner. Mike is the author of the previous book, Poison Legacy. He's been a journalist for nearly four decades and is currently a managing editor at National Journal. It is my pleasure to welcome Mike Magner here to talk about his work, A Trust Betrayed, the untold story of Camp Lejeune and the poisoning of generations of Marines and their families. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here. Great to have you here. Tell us about how you first came to this story several years ago. Actually, it was about 10 years ago. I was working for an environmental news service here in Washington where we were digging up stories about um, environmental issues. And we were working on a story about um, military uh, bases that uh, had contamination. And uh, Camp Lejeune is really just the worst of really hundreds of them around the country. There's some out there in California. There's They're, they're all over the place. Because for a long time, uh, after World War II, uh, through the 50s and 60s and 70s, until there were stricter environmental laws on the books, uh, the Marines and, and all the military units uh, basically just dumped everything that they had on land. Uh, what was going on at Camp Lejeune was uh, they were um, they were burying... Um, um, used oil and uh, uh, battery acid from their vehicles in pits. Uh, they were uh, using a, a highly toxic solvent called TCE or trichloroethylene to uh, spray down engines and take uh, take the grease off after they were used. Um, and that was just running off right into the land. And at Camp Lejeune, uh, it's right on the coast of North Carolina. All the soil is very sandy. And so anything you put on the land goes right down into the water. And um, basically, they were using the the most shallow aquifer there for their drinking water at the base. And over time, all kinds of uh, other substances got in there. There was a fuel farm on the base that uh, was built in the 40s, underground tanks that were leaking by the 60s and 70s. So there was benzene and other kinds of petrochemicals getting into the water. And um, to add insult to injury, there was uh, dry cleaners across from one of the most... um, densely populated housing areas at the base that was leaking perchloroethylene or the dry cleaning solvent into the onto the land and uh, it was going right into the drinking water for that uh, housing area. So uh, what, what was going on in the 60s and 70s and, and early 80s really wasn't known. Um, the water uh, supplies there weren't um, didn't smell or or have a taste to them um, but but what was happening was though that people that were uh, exposed to those systems uh, were getting a, a dose of toxic chemicals every day, and uh, some of the the worst effects were on uh, women who were pregnant at the base and drinking that water uh, while they were carrying a child. And uh, by the by the time they they found out about it in 1985, when when they finally shut down wells. Uh, a lot of people had been exposed to it. And so when I came onto the story, when we were looking at these bases in uh, uh, about 10 years ago, 
There were uh, a number of former Marines who had been at the base that finally had discovered that there was a link between the water and, and health problems that their children had. Some of them had babies who died uh, shortly after birth at the base. Uh, others had developed leukemia at an early age and died. Uh, and it wasn't until 1997 that the government first put out a, a report that said the, these chemicals could be linked to health problems in children. And that's when um, things began to, to, uh, to s snowball and people found out that perhaps the Marine Corps, had, through its negligence, had, had affected their families. And one of the things that is so remarkable about this story is less that it happened, that in fact that the negligence took place, that all of this happened at a time when there wasn't the, the kind of strict environmental regulations and concerns that we see today. The more shocking thing about this story is that once it began to surface and once these problems began to become clear, what little was done about it? Well, that's the, that's, that's the real uh, other part of the tragedy, the, the second phase after it was discovered. Um, basically, the Marine Corps and the Pentagon and the government itself took a lot of steps to try to sweep it under the rug. Um, there were Because the base was declared a Superfund site, which is the worst toxic sites in the country that require cleanup, um, under that law, uh, a health study has to be done by federal scientists to determine if anybody was affected. And, and that, that's what led to the result in 1997 that there, there may be a link between these contaminants. But once that finally came out, um, the, the, the government, or especially the, the military, which was responsible for funding these studies, did a lot to try to obstruct them and to try to prevent um, the, the, the federal health agency that was doing the studies from con completing its work. In fact, at one point, when, when the scientists decided that they should survey everybody who was at the base during the time the water was contaminated, the military refused to turn over its database of people who had lived there because they cited privacy laws, saying that they couldn't do that. Ultimately, they were persuaded to do so, but it, it, it added another like four or five years before uh, these, uh, these surveys could be done. So there was a long uh, process of kind of stonewalling, and it, it actually is continuing today where the government is, is doing everything it can to try to prevent um, litigation uh, uh, and, and, and further evidence from being developed that the contamination caused health problems. As far back as 1980, there was testing of the water that showed significant levels that were far above what was acceptable even in 1980. That's right. The, uh, they, they were testing for other chemicals under the new uh, Safe Drinking Water Act that had been passed in the late 70s. And when they were doing those tests, they, they discovered that there were solvents in the water. And, and the, the labs uh, sent, the, sent the Marine Corps co uh, commanders at, at Camp Lejeune warnings that there was solvents in the water, but those were ignored. And I think part of the reason was because the chemicals that, that, were, uh, that they were discovering were not yet regulated, and so the, uh, the Marines felt like, well, there's nothing we really need to do. And, and secondly, there was a lot of pressure on them to continue providing that water. They were pumping that aquifer uh, at, at full capacity because Camp Lejeune is in uh, a very hot climate in, in much, of the, much of the year. They've got Marines out there training in full dress and, and drinking gallons of water every day. So they didn't really want to shut down wells because they needed that water supply so badly. 
talk a little bit about the cancer clusters that began to show up. You mentioned the, the leukemia, the number of miscarriages, these cases of uh, clusters of breast cancer in men. Talk a little about the, these, these clusters. Yeah, the one, uh, the breast cancer one is the most uh, really stunning. Um, that was actually discovered by one of the victims, uh, a guy named Mike Partain, who, uh, who was born at Camp Lejeune when his father was a Marine there in 1968. Uh, he, uh, his, his, his mom was living in the housing complex that I mentioned that had contaminated water and was drinking that water while, while he was, after he was conceived. And it turned out, uh, that 30, 39 years later, when he was 39 years old in 2007, uh, he was diagnosed with breast cancer and he had no idea why that was, you know, happening because breast cancer in men is extremely rare. It's less than 1% of the breast cancer cases in this country are males. And, uh, he, you know, his family had no history of it even in the women. And so it, it just so happened that about that time, uh, there was another victim whose daughter died of leukemia from, uh, from Camp Lejeune's water, um, Jerry Ensminger was testifying in front of Congress uh, about the problems, and uh, there was a report on CNN that uh, Mike Partain's father saw and, and, and directed him to see it, and uh, it, it, he put two and two together. He realized that perhaps since he was born at the base at that time, that was the reason for his breast cancer. So Mike really went kind of crazy and, and started uh, social networking um, even before there was Facebook and, and started uh, connecting people uh, that, that might have breast cancer. And over time, over the next few years, uh, he discovered more than 80 other cases of men who had been diagnosed with breast cancer after being at Camp Lejeune. And this is just way off the charts. One of the other aspects of this story is how slow not just the military but other government agencies have been to react. The CDC seems like it's been dragging its feet forever on this situation. Yeah, and well, part of the reason is because the Marine Corps has been so uncooperative about providing the data, um, and and also the CDC had to do a complete water modeling study because they wanted to go back and find out exactly what the levels were at various times when when uh, when the water was contaminated and in what systems, so that it could actually tell people you were exposed uh, during this period, and and this is this is how much. Um, so that took some time, but but you're right. Th- there there have been efforts to. Uh, slow it down. I think the, the CDC is a small agency compared to the uh, the Pentagon, and there's a lot of uh, uh, power that uh, has to do with their, you know, being very slow on doing these studies. What's been the role of the Agency for Toxic Substance and Disease? Play? Yeah, that's actually a part of CDC. It's a small little sister agency. That agency was set up uh, when the Superfund law was created to do these studies that I mentioned. Every time you have a, uh, a facility that's put on the Superfund list, uh, a study is, is required by the government, and that agency is the one that does it. One of the remarkable things, though, is how long it has taken, although they, they've been a little more proactive than some of these other agencies, how long it's taken Congress to realize what's going on. Yeah, that's true. And and I think part of the reason is because people didn't realize until much later after the after the uh, effects. But um once once some of the victims uh began to um make noise about this and went to members of Congress to to tell them what had happened, 
Um, it slowly developed into, uh, there were hearings about why the Marine Corps uh, hadn't notified people about the contamination. Um, and there were um, a number of efforts to investigate why the science was taking so long. And uh, finally, in 2012, uh, these victims um, had persuaded enough members of Congress to pass a law that will give health care to any uh, Marines or family members who uh, who were at Camp Lejeune when the water was contaminated and who came down with any of 15 different diseases um, since then. And that law, it's um, just slowly being implemented by the Veterans Affairs Department and um, at least those people who who were affected in, in very serious ways can at least get health care as a result of that. In your view, having reported on this story for so long, what is your sense of why the Marine Corps, the Pentagon in general, the Marine Corps specifically, has been so reluctant to really take any responsibility at all for what's transpired here? I think it really just boils down to money. Um, the, the, uh, the liabilities that they face potentially harming thousands of children and other family members of Marines and Marines themselves are in the billions of dollars. If, if these studies clearly point to a link, uh, and there is litigation already pending in the federal courts, um, but the attorneys on, on both sides are just kind of waiting for all the studies to be completed, uh, if, those, if those litigants are successful in, in getting uh, damage claims, uh, the, the potential could be billions of dollars in, in liability. And this is, of course, at a time when the, the Pentagon is facing budget cuts in Congress and enormous costs to replace weapon systems and lots of other pressures. So I think that's what the attorneys for, uh, for the military is, are saying is, let's not do anything that, that makes it easier for these kind of claims to be, to be uh, successfully filed. There's also a Supreme Court case pending that could nullify any responsibility on the part of the government to pay any claims. Yeah, that that really outraged uh, the victims of this pollution just just last month. The, the, there was, the court heard the arguments in this case, and it's it's a little bit complicated. But what's happening is there there was a a, a private company that polluted uh, groundwater with TCE, which is one of, one of the chemicals at Camp Lejeune, back in the 80s. And they were sued by a number of property owners to, uh, demanding that their water be cleaned up. And uh, that company cited in federal court uh, a state law in North Carolina called the Statute of Repose prevents any litigation against a polluter more than 10 years after their last act of pollution. So it's kind of like a statute of limitations. And um, that case went all the way to the Supreme Court because of the, the plaintiffs in the case said the federal Superfund law says you, you're liable for pollution from the moment it is discovered, not, since, not from the time that it was last um, uh, a violation occurred. And the government, surprisingly enough, took the side of the toxic polluter in this case and is arguing that uh, the North Carolina law should take precedence because they realized that if that's the case, if, that, if they win, all claims against them for pollution at Camp Lejeune could be nullified and, and blocked. Um, and there, were, there was so much outrage about it that Aaron Brockovich, which I'm sure you know, mm -hmm. uh, was out here in Washington um, a couple of weeks ago to, to have a rally outside the Supreme Court 
uh, arguing that the, the government was abandoning uh, its its veterans. Given the, the length of time that this pollution was there in the well water at Camp Lejeune and the number of people that have been exposed, potentially as many as a million people, is this the largest such case that, that has ever existed as far as we know? Yes, I think so. The largest case of drinking water that's been contaminated. Um, I mean, you know, the Gulf spill uh, that BP caused in uh, 2010 uh, was probably the largest uh, water contamination in the United States in, in history. But, you know, we weren't drinking the water out of the Gulf. Um, it, this is the largest case in terms of the number of people that were exposed to toxic chemicals why, that we know of. Why, then, hasn't there been more outrage outside of North Carolina and the Camp Lejeune community? Well, I think part of it is the length of time that it took um, that, you know, these these incidences occurred in the 70s or 60s and 70s and 80s, and it wasn't until 10, 15 years later that the, that the effects became known. Um, and and also because of the Marine Corps has tried to, to do all it can to, to keep it quiet, there hasn't been a lot of press stories about it, frankly. Um, there are stories each time there's a development, uh, like when Congress passed the law in 2012. But um, I think this book is for the the, the first time that it's, the whole story has been all put together. And uh, so there just hasn't been a lot of media attention to this. What has been the attitude of the current administration and the Bush administration preceding it? Uh, it, well, uh, the Bush administration, I think, was was probably the worst because they actually contested a lot of these scientific studies that were being done about the effects of TCE and did everything that they could to um, find find ways for the military to get out of any uh, litigation. Um, at least uh, President Obama signed the law that uh, Congress passed in 2012 that entitles people to benefits, but um there's been there's been some slow uh response in terms of implementing that law um and the, the fact that the obama administration did side with this toxic polluter or is siding with this polluter in the supreme court case uh that's not a bad signal that to the veterans that perhaps this administration isn't much better how has the va acted in this case well, the VA's got lots of problems. Uh, right now, uh, the the uh, Secretary of VA, uh, General Shinseki, is under fire for long delays in, in processing claims uh, filed by veterans, uh, for, for shabby treatment of veterans, especially from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. So they're under a lot of pressure. Um, and I think that this this problem is is not as high on on their agenda as it should be because of the the potential costs involved. Um, they have they have a lot of other issues that they're trying to deal with right now uh, because the problems that are are facing veterans these days uh, in terms of health, PTSD, those kinds of things are just enormous. It's overwhelming the agency and. Um, I think Camp Lejeune is not as high on its priority list as it should be. Are there any heroes in this story? Are there any people within the military, within the, the Camp Lejeune, that really have come forward to speak up on these issues? Uh, it, there, There is one great hero within the ATSDR, the science agency, uh, a guy named Frank Bove, who 
even in the face of a lot of pressure from from the military and his bosses not to, to pursue these studies too too much he he had uh he had been involved earlier in his career with the with the uh, case up at uh, up in Massachusetts that was written about in in a movie in, called a civil action uh he saw he had known knew the effects on children that these chemicals could have and he uh he has really pushed hard to continue these studies and make sure that they don't just get dropped uh, so he's one um within the military itself none have really emerged because i think the attorneys are are keeping everybody quiet um but but among veterans the the real heroes are those like Jerry Ensminger whose daughter died who have basically spent the rest of their lives uh, since they found that out uh, pressuring the Marine Corps and pressuring the government to do something about this and be held accountable. Um, those, are, those are the real heroes of this story. And when is the CDC's work supposed to be done? Probably not for at least another year or two. They have several studies that are still pending, one of them on how, how these breast cancer cases might have developed and how many there are. Uh, another one on ca- comparing all of the health problems at Camp Lejeune with those at a similar base out there in California, uh, Camp Pendleton. They're, de- they're trying to do a comparative study to see how much worse Camp Lejeune has been. Uh, all of those are supposed to be completed over the next year or two, and so then at, at that point we'll have all the science done. And what do we know and or suspect about similar problems at other marine bases? Well, I don't think there are any that are as serious in terms of drinking water actually being affected, but there are a lot of bases uh, or former bases that are now closed where contaminants are still there. Uh, One of them is, for example, a former Air Force base down in San Antonio. It it was called the Kelly Air Force Base. They were using TCE uh, even even greater numbers to hose down airplanes after they landed, and um, it all ended up in the, in the groundwater, and there's there are entire neighborhoods where um, the wells are all contaminated. They have, they have another drinking water supply, but sitting on top of that uh, uh, that kind of uh, toxic waste is is very alarming to residents, and there are a number of people that believe that their cancers are caused by that. There are bases all over the place um, that are that are like that, where chemicals like TCE or benzene have been. Um, at least covered up and, and, you know, separated from possible exposure, but they're still there. And the Defense Department itself, over the many, many years, what, if anything, has the Department done, has the Pentagon done with respect to any of this? Well, they are trying to meet their obligations under uh, the Superfund law. Any sites that are that are Superfund sites, are they're doing their best to clean up. Um, you know, it's it's on a long list of uh, priorities for spending that that includes weapon systems and and benefits to to people in the military. So um, I think they're doing as much as they can to keep their costs to a minimum uh, while still meeting their obligations. But so it's a very very slow process. Mike Magner, the book is A Trust Betrayed, the untold story of Camp Lejeune and the poisoning of generations of Marines and their families. Mike, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you, Jeff, for having me on. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.